Okay, so this is a, a unique episode for all three of us here. Uh, I'm Devin Shepard. I'm from Cadaver Dogs. I'm David B. Jacobs, also from Cadaver Dogs. I'm Allison Broder. I'm from the podcast Who's There? And today we have a very special episode. It is Cadaver Dogs Who's There pod crossover episode. So whichever one you're listening to, you should go to the other stream and listen to the exact same thing again. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah, we're dropping this on both of our feeds because we all attended Brooklyn Horror Film Festival together here in New York. So this episode, we'll talk about the movies that we saw, the experience that we had at the festival, and these films will be some good ones to catch for, for when they come out. It's all things that probably none of you have seen unless you were at the festival with us. So we're doing completely no spoilers on anything. And it's basically just like to add your watch list. So get your letterbox accounts ready. So Brooklyn Horror Film Festival is this awesome, I, w I would argue, and you guys tell me, it is the best horror film festival in New York right now. I haven't been to another one, so I'll say, hell yeah. Yeah, Fuck is there yeah. a competition? <laughs> there's, there's a couple others, but I think that like Brooklyn Horror does a great job at programming. And I will say we do know the programmers, yeah. but this... <laughs> This is not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored not at all. Not sponsored. Uh, it can't be sponsored because they, they didn't accept my short film. So actually, I'll say that I really like Scared for Your Life Film Festival because they did accept my short film. Oh. <laughs> we don't play favorites at all. No, we do not. Here. Never. No, we still have beef. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but this is an awesome film festival in Brooklyn every year in October. I feel like I've been going to this... For a while. Allison, you and I and David all went last year as well. Yeah, and I also went the year before that. Yeah, I've been going for the year after it was created. I think it's like seven years old at this point. Something like that. I think I was there the first year just for one block because something that I had script supervised was in a short film. So I went and attended that. But this year is the most I have attended by a lot. Yeah, they had an incredible lineup this year. And so mm -hmm. today we'll talk about a few of the films. Actually, we'll talk about all of the films that we saw. We saw different ones throughout the festival. I mean, this festival was like 10 days long. It was pretty long, but we at least got a party together and um, see yes. each other a lot more and make yes. a ton of new horror friends. So if mm -hmm. you are a new horror friend that we met at the festival, what's up? <laughs> Hey. <laughs> so why don't we start with the opening night film that unfortunately I had to miss because I was freaking working. I want to throw it to, to you, Allison. What was the opening night film? The opening night film was a film called Kill Your Lover. It was about the synopsis is when Dakota tries to break off her toxic relationship, it starts transforming him to a monstrous creature. So, David, do you want to say your thoughts? It was so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I... This this is one of my favorites. I love this movie. I strongly recommend it whenever it comes out. It's very punk rock, and it's really really funny. Like it, it's kind. I, I would you say it's horror comedy? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember it being that funny, but it probably is. Yeah, there were funny parts. I remember laughing a lot. I was talking to the directors after, and uh, it's uh, the directors are a married couple, uh, so. You know, you're getting a lot, a lot of their frustration through this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. But she's saying like, oh, yeah, I was so happy that like everyone was laughing. Like there was that one guy with like the really loud laugh. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was you. <laughs> oh, my I liked how we got to go back and see how their relationship started yes. compared to what it had become. And it 
it does something that's unusual but shouldn't be where like you know she's the woman in it is she's very punk rock she's has like kind of a gothy emo vibe uh she sleeps around a lot she's into bdsm but all of these things are portrayed as very healthy and the way that you know relationship is not healthy is because she stops doing all of that and just becomes Mm -hmm. this like homely girl with this like nice little sweater that covers her entire body and it, it just this transformation is like so jarring i literally didn't recognize the word. it was a different couple <laughs> so what kind of horror film was this was this like body, body. horror oh it was body oh damn yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and this won something didn't it i'm trying to pull it up now it won effects oh well deserved they have two different competitions at broken horror well three if you count the audience awards so they have the one competition is for like very clearly horror movies and the other one is for like more horror adjacent stuff it's like we kind of count as horror but like someone else might not so this was in the like this is firmly horror and it won effects cool and this, this is a foreign one, right? Like, if people want to go see this one afterwards, it'll probably drop, not necessarily in theaters. Yeah, yeah, it, it's UK. I don't know where it'll wind up, but I think it'll do fine. Uh, the directors have an altar short that's already up called Wretch, which is very good. And it's a similar vibe, actually. I think you can watch Wreck and Wretch, sorry, R-E-T-C-H. It's like a five-minute short on altar. If you like that, you'll like Kill Your Lover. If you don't like that, then... You can skip it, I guess. <laughs> it's a similar vibe with like the, the body horror and like a little bit of comedy in it. <laughs> uh, it was co-written and directed by Alex Austin and Keir Seewert. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but or beautiful. Her. Well done. Yeah. I think you yeah. might need to do it with an accent. <laughs> uh, no. David, you want to? No, I can't do I can't do English accent, Irish accent. I can't do any of those. Uh, um, yeah, I'm really you- bad at those. Uh, both of the, the cast are incredible, by the way, yeah. uh, especially the woman. She's fucking fantastic. I have such a crush. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I liked the metaphor that they were going for, but I, I don't know. I kind of like my horror movies a little bit more literal and not as much metaphor. So that's fair. Yeah. Good opening night film overall. Yeah, definitely. Set a great tone for the fest. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Everyone coming out of it. I, I met up with you both right afterwards and. Everyone was like so excited coming out of that that movie. I think it really like started off the fest off strong. Well, so that was the opening night film. And then David, I believe you caught one on Friday. Yes, I caught Crumb Catcher, which I know the producer, one of the producers. It's uh, co-produced by Larry Fessenden and Chad Harbold. Actually, I know both of them. (laughs) (laughs) I've worked with Larry on a feature last month and Chad, I worked on a feature years ago. And I just saw Chad at the festival. He's like, oh, David, what's up? And I'm like, oh, hey, Chad. Yeah, I'm just on, on Rush Line for this movie that you produced. And he's like, oh, don't do that. Here's two tickets. <laughs> I just went in. <laughs> so nice. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically, it's kind of a home invasion movie. It's also got like comedic vibes to it as well, kind of. Um, so basically, it's this newly married couple, and the I think he was the waiter from their wedding, like follows them home, and he oh. he sort of just works his way into his house. He's like, 
oh yeah i saw that you you like you, we, we lost the cake i'm really sorry about that we found the cake now so i just i wanted to bring it back to you at 11 o'clock at night at right after you got married and <laughs> oh i get it crumb catcher oh it, it there's a there's a much more obvious meaning for crumb catcher but i don't want to spoil it because oh, it's like okay. the best part of the movie <laughs> <laughs> hold on i'm going i'm going to urban dictionary to look it up what could crumb mean <laughs> It's it's more literal than you think it is. It's really fun. It, it's a very fun movie. It's really tense. It's mostly the one location. You also know some of the people involved in this, right, Devin? Yeah. So I worked for Chris Gottstobel, who is the director of the film, and I believe also wrote it. Yeah, I worked with him as an intern when I was interning for Larry Fessenden. And he was, I think at that point, just became the office manager, um, but was an assistant for to Larry for a really long time and was prepping his first feature. So have seen him well advanced through the years into this. Still, still making wacky films. They're, <laughs> they're really good. They're just like definitely unique. They also did win the audience award. They won the gold for the audience award at the festival, which I need to text Chad and congratulate him. I've been meaning to do that, but I've, yeah, I've, been, under, I've been under the weather for the past few days, okay? Which is why, like, I, my voice sounds a little weird right now, and you might hear me, like, sniffling and stuff. <laughs> like, that's, oh, that's you. the... You're welcome. I just wanted to give a little demonstration there. Yeah. ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sitting in a theater for... And Allison, correct me, the festival's eight days long. It just felt like two weeks. Eight days in a the theater <laughs> with a bunch of people, definitely, we, we all got a little sick. Yeah. Allison, you saw one of the films that I think, like, so many people were very excited to see off of the bat everyone said their number one most excited thing was booger yes i saw that last saturday i went because i read that it was about like a stray cat that got taken in it's like kind of not really about that but there is a very cute cat and i found out at the q a after that there were two cats the writer's cat that they, they use and then they had to get an actor to do the outdoor scenes a cat oh. actor yeah and apparently it was a <laughs> professional it had been on law and order svu before so nice what a successful cat yeah. It's a cool cat. Yeah. Every actor in New York has to go on Law and Order SVU. That's true. So I'm so yeah. glad the cat passes the bar. <laughs> yes. Indeed. The bar because it's Law and Order. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Seven is cowering. Um, I've been on Law and Order. <laughs> I need to be on Law and Order. I fucking love that show. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but this was about uh, two best friends who live in Brooklyn. One passes away tragically. And before that, they had just left their window open and a cat crawled in uh, off their fire escape because there's no screen. And they're like, well, we can we'll keep it. Whatever. So and then after the best friend dies, the cat bites the best friend, Anna, who's still alive. And then it runs away and Anna starts feeling weird and the IMDb says she starts to undergo a strange transformation. So it is also body horror. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think I liked it. It was a little gross. So it's like episode four of Fall of the House of Usher meets Cat People. Hold on, I I'm not that far yet. <laughs> I can't remember what happened in any episode of Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, but it, this one this one is also a metaphor. And I just said I don't like movies with metaphors. But this one at least had a cat in it. So I guess... Made a so go bit. see it for the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked it. It was good. I'm sad that I know that was the same day as another movie called Red Rooms, which I missed. Yeah. 
but that wound up being the movie that like fucking everybody kept talking about all week long and i'm just like i i didn't even like pay attention to it when i was looking at the film list i and know I, I missed it yeah apparently it was really disturbing and hard to watch and it like won everything and everyone said it was amazing and i'm like oh okay i didn't i didn't expect that <laughs> <laughs> yeah red rooms won best film of the fest as well as best yeah. performance damn it yeah I don't think Booker won anything. Cutest co-star? I don't know. I think that should definitely <laughs> be. <laughs> oh, and in Booker was also Garrick Bernard, who I have seen in the in the Hulu show Single Drunk Female. He plays the love interest in that. Marsha Debonis, who I recognize from 13 Going on 30, was in it. And oh, then wow. Heather Matarazzo has a small <gasps> cameo as the pet store owner. Oh, that's fitting. Yeah. Wait, did you see Garrick around the festival? Because at one point you were like geeking out about him, but I couldn't tell if it was because you just saw a movie with him or because yeah, you yeah. saw he him was, in He person. was like standing behind you. Okay, yeah, yeah. I got a photo with him eventually that night before I left. But yeah. Austin was like, Devin. I was like, it's that guy. I don't know what he's from. And then I had to look at his IMDb. My phone was almost dead that night, so I could not do it at the time. <laughs> Lots of good faces in this. And it was written and directed by Mary and Dodderman. Ooh, female directed. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there was some good Yay. parody at this film festival, which was really nice in terms of diversity. Cool. Well, the next one I have on our list is one that we all saw together, which is Larry Fessenden's Blackout. More Larry Fessenden. Also, the entire cast of Crumbcatcher has like significant cameos in this movie. Like not not really cameos. Like they have small supporting roles. All of them. Yeah, <laughs> which is something Larry tends to do. Is you know he works with other people on his films, steals their crew, steals their cast. Not steal. I would say <laughs> hire them again, which is why you know he's so great in the the horror yeah. community in new york i feel like everyone wins in that scenario so that's why yeah. it's not stealing it's like <laughs> yeah. oh you did good in this movie let's let's continue doing more work great exactly and now the other one is also like oh great and now my cast has been in other things too awesome <laughs> yeah and and for those that know larry's movies this one is part of what he is now calling his kind of universal monster i feel like universal is probably the wrong term that we should be using here but classic monster what i will say is a trilogy because this is what people have been teasing yes. they are all from the universal canon unless you want to include wendigo in the mix which would be a fourth one yeah i just want to say they aren't universal movies which is what <laughs> the controversy would be <laughs> yeah fair but yeah, I feel like this one was a classic Larry Fessenden film. So his last film, mm -hmm. which came out a few years ago, was Depraved, which was his Frankenstein so film. It was so wonderful. And you see a lot of crossover with the crew and cast into this film, Blackout, which is his not werewolf movie. I was corrected by him. It is Wolfman, or not him, but Brian Spears, who is the makeup artist. It is his Wolfman movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Larry was very clear that he wanted it to be a Wolfman, not a werewolf, which... I mean, technically a wolfman is a werewolf. What's the but... difference? <laughs> uh, the difference in the design. Basically, it means that the design of the creature is much more closely based on that old school wolfman look that you see in The Wolfman or in Werewolf in London or in any of those older movies. All the Scooby-Doo werewolves were always wolfman-esque. So he stands on two legs. He, he, he doesn't have a big snout. You can see the actor under the makeup, and it, it feels more human i guess as opposed to like the an american werewolf in london design where it's like a full wolf and it's like 
that's that's no longer David Nodden under there. It's just <laughs> a puppet on a cart. He he didn't want to be a puppet on a cart. Yeah. That, that is not to say anything mean about an American world in London, which is like the best movie ever made. <laughs> I am obsessed with it and I've seen it so many times. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, but that is very apparent in the story that, you know, was blackout is it very much as a human piece. It's a small cast, you know, small town. I think it takes place in Maine, New Hampshire, the New England area in a place called Talbot Falls, which of course is a direct nod to Lon Chaney Jr.'s character of the Wolfman, whose last Larry name Talbot. was Talbot. Yes. And Devin, what else should people know about the Wolfman regarding cadaver dogs? Oh, hey. Yeah. So if you like werewolves, <laughs> we did cover the Wolfman in an earlier episode for listeners, either Cadaver Dogs listeners or Who's There pod listeners. Please check that one out. It's my favorite episode. You get to hear all about how werewolves are actually a Jewish monster. It's great. I, I will say what we are all thinking about this movie. We needed full frontal Alex Hurt. Yes. I'm not thinking that. That was what we walked away with. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so sexual. He just he just takes off his shirt and he already looks like a wolf because I know. he's so ripped. Okay, oh this is a guy God. I've worked with, so this is really fucking weird. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you you have my number. Pass it on. So <laughs> hook it up. I I <laughs> look, but it was it was the point. Larry said it was the point. He was like, we didn't do a full body suit because Alex looked so great with his shirt off. Yeah, he did. But I would I needed to know how good he looked also with his pants off. So we get his butt. <laughs> anyway. I'm so happy to have another woman talking about this stuff. David. Just admit it. He looked fine. You, it will not make you gay. It will just make you have be a person with eyes. I, I didn't see it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, like I, I understand conceptually that he is attractive, but like there, there are men who I'm looking. I'm just like, oh, that guy's hot, and I. I... <laughs> I think it's his body more than his face. Oh, yeah. A straight man. I think a straight man's idea of hot men is actually really different than straight women's idea of hot men. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it, it's weird. And maybe that's like why there's so much disconnect between the genders, because we have very different ideas of what a hot man is. I think everyone has a different idea of what a hot man is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think of Robert England, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which Allison fine. just rolled yeah. her eyes at me. That's fine. <laughs> I remember when we started a pod, you thought it would all be me and Rob sexualizing the women, and then it was the opposite of that. <laughs> About time these men were sexualized. I maintain my crush on the the actress from Kill Your Lover. Okay, fair. fair. Uh, anyway, Blackout was great. Go see it. So the next one I have on our list is Wilder Than Her. Who saw this one? I did. I really liked it. It's what Karen Coleman from the future of film is female dubbed friendship horror, which I really like that sub genre now. They played with a lot of tropes and like twisted them. A little bit so that you'd be like, oh, that person's not going to be good. But then they were fine. Yeah, it was good. It was another reason to not go camping. Don't go camping. What? Why? You know, oh, why are you going to go camping? So to briefly summarize, this one was about three friends, women. Their fourth friend died recently, but they always go on this camping trip, the four of them, every year. 
So in their grief, they decide that the three of them are still going to do this trip to honor the fourth friend's memory. And they are all extremely well-developed and have a fuck ton of flaws. And they start coming to a head. And there are all these tensions in their friendship that are boiling. And then there is a strange man. Ooh, what's going to happen with that? This sounds awesome. This one will defy your expectations at every fucking turn. I would say that it's really only a horror movie in like the last 15 minutes. There's a version of this movie where it's just not horror and it's just like a relationship drama. But then it goes dark and it's really good. <laughs> Interesting. Was it funny yeah. at all? Because I'm looking at yes, it the writer right. director. Yep. Okay. Jessica Kozak is known for some some comedy, specifically TV comedy. So it's interesting that she expanded her her role in horror. And the cast looks like a fairly comedic cast as well. Yeah, they definitely are. I don't know how much of the comedy was actually improvised, but it has the feel like a lot of the comedy is improvised. Like it, it, it reads like friends riffing off each other. They have really good chemistry together. Yeah, this is like a better version of Netflix's The Ritual. Mm. There is no witchcraft in it. I was going to say it's a better version of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I love Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Sorry. I also love Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Well, that's a great pitch. It's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies yeah. meets The Ritual. Sold. Yes. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, I wanted to move us on to the next film, which is Satan Wants You. Both of us saw it. I'm going to let Allison do most of the talking because I'm just not a doc, not a doc person. This is a documentary about uh, yeah. Michelle Remembers. Oh, it's a doc? Yeah, it's a documentary about Satanic Panic of the 1980s and how the memoir Michelle Remembers basically started it. And the book relied on recovered memory therapy to uncover Michelle's abduction by baby-stealing Satanists. And apparently it was very easily disproved if you just looked into her life a little bit. Yeah, it was really it was really interesting. It was oh, the people that they interviewed who, who like went through it the first time, they were like, yeah, we're just seeing the same shit again with like, you know, Democrats eat babies and whatever insane worshipmen yeah yeah so it just shows how stupid people are protect the children i had i had never made that connection before but yeah it's a it's a good yeah. point my big takeaway was also that she married her therapist yep yep that happened yeah <laughs> i have i have the michelle remembers and the satan wants you book so that's why i was looking behind me on my oh. shelf but I don't know where it went. Uh, hopefully it didn't disappear into the universe. I think I put it up somewhere because I was like, LOL, this is funny. Someone should see that I'm reading Satan Wants You. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it if you like documentaries or Satanic Panic. And who doesn't? Yeah, we need more of these. Like, I, I want more horror documentaries. The last one I watched was The Devil and Father Amorth, which was uh, William Freakin's movie of the guy who inspired the Pope's Exorcist. It just, like, wasn't fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. So our next film is A Page of Madness. Who caught this one? Just me. That was me. This is a silent movie from the 1920s. It's a silent Japanese movie. It is really fucking weird. They did this with live accompaniment, by, by the way. I did this last year, too. They had the, the same group, Flushing Remonstrants, did a live accompaniment for Phantom of Opera, which was fucking awesome. And I've like been following them throughout the year too. I've been doing other silent movies with live accompaniment screenings because I realized that it's so cool to do that. So of course I did it again this year. Page of Madness is weird as fuck. I have no idea what happened. And I don't think anyone really knows what happened because th there are no intertitles in the movie, which was a choice specifically made by the director. But also in Japanese silent cinema, unlike American silent cinema, there would usually be a narrator accompanying the screenings. And the movie was lost for decades and then, like, randomly found again. We, we have not found the narration, so. 
it's all a bunch of guesses as to what the fuck happened. It is really weird and trippy and cool and surreal. That's so cool. Yeah, and this yeah. is part of um they did so every year Brooklyn Horror does like kind of a retrospective. And this year they really focused on J Horror. So they also had a screening yes. of Ring, the original Japanese version. And did they do Gojira as well? I'm not sure. There were a few other things. Yeah, they partner with Miskatonic Institute every year to do a talk back about at least one of the films in the retrospective that they screen. And for anyone who doesn't know about Miskatonic Institute, I highly recommend you check it out if you're in the horror community. They have online lectures yeah. and they're super cheap to to watch. So they're really fun. They did Door, which sounded cool, which I never heard of, but it sounded neat. Yeah, I went to so many movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I couldn't do all of them because that would be completely fucking insane. It was a lot, yeah. It would be um, a page of madness to do every single <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one we all got to catch together, I think, which was Monolith. This one, ironically, is about a podcaster. Woo! It was so <laughs> relatable. <laughs> and it stars Lily Sullivan from Evil Dead Rise as well. Yeah. That's why I mostly went to go see it. Not even that, just that she was a podcaster. And I was like, oh. I feel seen. But. <laughs> but we did feel seen. <laughs> yeah. But I really like this. It kind of felt a little bit like The Ring to me, the American remake of The Ring. Because yeah. like she's a she's yeah. like a investigative journalist and she gets this weird thing and then she goes on and it's like the coloring is very dark and misty. So Devin, can you give a quick summary? Yeah, I mean, to, to add on to Allison, yeah, she's an investigative podcaster, and she discovers this story that takes her on a dark path to uncover whether or not it's real and finds out, no spoilers, but there are more secrets in the history of this story than she realizes. It's sci-fi-y. I feel like it's more like horror sci-fi yeah, than definitely. anything else. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, it's singular location for the most part. It is yeah. just like mostly her talking to witnesses, I guess, and doing interviews about the story and her uncovering the past. Was It was really well done for like a intimate film. She's the only on-screen actor, right? Unless you want to count like home videos or whatever that she watches. Yeah, every everyone that they list on IMDb is just a voice. Yeah. Which is neat and it's well done and it's well shot and it's cool. But also... I feel like this should have been a podcast. <laughs> I am biased in saying, like, yes, it should have been a podcast, but it was a really good movie. Yes. <laughs> but if it was a podcast, it would be a podcast about podcasting, and it would have a, like, meta text to it where it would be, like, it, it, it would almost be, like, the found footage version of podcasts, but not really, because you would still have the stuff behind the scenes of her investigating and whatnot. I feel like it, it it would draw out some of the subtext. I don't know. That's still overdone in podcasting. I don't listen to as many fiction podcasts as you, which is why they made us a movie instead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I want to bring us on to our next one, which also was a huge hit of the festival with many people who saw it. Femme. Yes, that was again just me. This was my favorite of the festival. <laughs> I'll say that. It won the bronze for Audience Choice Award. It's more horror adjacent. Um, how would I describe it? So it's about a drag queen who is assaulted after a show one night. And then months later, he still he goes he goes he him. Uh, he's still reeling from the attack. He's still dealing with the trauma when he runs into his attacker. And without giving too much, they go home together as our lead is looking for a way to get revenge, maybe. 
and it's mm. really messed up, but also like very humane. Both of the two leads are amazing. The the assaulter is uh, George McKay from 1917. I love him. I'm obsessed with George McKay. He's one of our greatest actors of today, just saying. He's brilliant in this movie. You feel bad for him. It's weird. It's like, oh, this is like the worst person ever, but... Do I do I sympathize with him? What's who am I rooting for? What's going on? Do I do I want the lead to get revenge? Do I do I want them to what what's happening? And like it you you never know where it's going at any point. Like I I don't want to say much more. It's just watch the movie whenever it becomes available. I really hope it becomes available for people to watch because it's so fucking oh, cool. good and intense and like it, it it is the tensest movie of the festival. It it will make you feel very gross and on the edge of your seat the whole time and it does look like it's based off of a short by the same filmmakers which may yes, be available online so check it out if you can well for our last two films and we only have 10 minutes left here i want to uh, move us on to where the devil roams which is another one that i know at least david you were excited to see allison i know you got to catch it as well give us a little a little taste i did not get to see this one Oh, so this is about, we follow a family of murderous sideshow performers as they travel around the world on a dying carnival circuit. This is by the Adams Family, who you know from like Hellbender and I think some other movies, but I've only seen Hellbender. And I have to say Hellbender was a little bit more rooted in reality than this one. This was a little bit more fantastical. It's very weird. Lots of weird visuals. They're all super great though. I really, I, I enjoyed it. It's so funny to say that Hellbender was more rooted in reality because <laughs> it's like high fantasy. I love it though. But you're also right. Maybe I don't remember it. <laughs> I mean, it's not high fantasy. It's low fantasy, but it's definitely fantastic. I mean, it's it's witchcraft, yeah. but, but like they're just like mother and daughter that like live in the woods and like she meets some other people and then stuff i don't know maybe i don't remember it well yeah. <laughs> yeah i also want to say that i met toby poser last month she was working on the movie as well the same one with larry and she's like the nicest person you will ever meet like she is so incredibly sweet and kind and i understand the entire family is like that i i, I spoke to zelda for like two seconds at the festival but yeah <laughs> I, yeah, I spoke to Zelda after. She was really sweet. They seem so cool. <laughs> I'm very jealous of that family. I want to be in that family. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Toby also has a small cameo in Fall of the House of Usher. Yes. Well, closing us out of this show with the closing night film, The Sacrifice Game, which we also all caught together. So yay! Yes. <laughs> yay! <laughs> Okay, so basically, we're set in 1971, I want to say. 1970s, yeah. yeah. And it's at a boarding school for all girls, like young teenage girls. I think teenage, I don't know. They they looked really young. <laughs> but As opposed to old teenage girls? Uh, well, 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 I they they looked like twelve. I I think they're actually older than that, but I thought they were twelve. <laughs> I was watching, well, yeah, which might just 12. be because. Films always cast 20-year-olds as 16-year-olds, and it just has conditioned our brains to thinking that everyone is younger. But anyway, basically there is a group of serial killers gumming around and, like, ritually murdering families around Christmas time. This is a Christmas horror, by the way. I forgot to mention that. So then they come to this boarding school, and they take everyone hostage, and I think that that's all I can say without revealing all of the many, many twists. 
Yeah. It's a it's a friendship film with serial killers <laughs> and some I mean it's the 1970s leading into the 80s. I feel like it's a little bit later in the 70s because this was definitely some onset of satanic panic. So fitting Maybe. in. It felt more Mansony to me, but also definitely satanic panic. I think both. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Georgia Akin, who played one of the little girls, she was really great in this. I think was like her first major movie. The talent in this is so, so good. <laughs> yeah, and I also really enjoyed Chloe Levine, who played the uh, mm. who played Rose, the woman who stays behind at the boarding school for the holidays. Yeah. yeah, and Chloe, you'll recognize her from this director's feature debut, which is The Ranger, available on Shutter. Chloe was the lead in that, the punk rocker with the pink hair. So yeah, this is Jen Wexler's follow-up. And honestly, like, I mean, I liked The Ranger. And to be frank, I have worked with Jen and no Jen. So I'm trying to not be biased here. But I do <laughs> I do think this one was a lot better than The Ranger. It was such higher production quality, of course, because it's not a first yeah. feature. But like, I loved this movie. There are so many yeah. twists and turns throughout. And you think it's going to go one way and then it completely catches you off guard. I also like The Ranger. But I mean, in the Q&A, Jen literally said that like, they made the Rangers so they could get the budget to make the sacrifice game. <laughs> like <laughs> it was smart. This this definitely feels like the movie that she's been really wanting to make for a long time. And it's very fun. She described it as Buffy esque, and I think I kind of agree with that. Yeah. And this one is gonna come out, so you guys can catch this on Shutter December eighth. It is a perfect Christmas film, in my opinion. Perfect. Well, before we close it out, I wanted to ask you guys what your favorite films of the fest were. I know we because we know so many of the filmmakers, we didn't want to rate these films but um i feel like we can say what our favorite ones were no yeah i already said femme <laughs> femme is my favorite um i love yeah. kill your lover and i love wilder than her yeah i think my favorite was monolith just because it felt very much like the ring so yeah yeah i i will say mine is the sacrifice game but i only saw three movies so <laughs> it's very low i loved all of them yeah there's yeah. nothing that I saw at this festival that I would not recommend. I think that they are all at least good, if not great. And you should watch all of these. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, why not? Support horror. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I hope we gave you enough of an idea to figure out which ones you'd be into. <laughs> Any final word that you wanted to say about the fest? I, I I will say I just like had such a great time hanging out with both of you for, for so yeah. long. I know that yeah. like most of the time when you see each other is is on mic talking about horror films, but it's good to be in person and like chatting about life as well. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I have never really done the social thing at the Brooklyn Horror Film Fest. So mm. it was like, I usually go see movies and then like go home. <laughs> this time I got to see movies, be social, and then be tired the next day, but then do it all again. <laughs> I also feel like it's because in the past year, Brooklyn Horror has been like doing these small screenings of like the bigger movies like we all saw evil dead rise that way we all saw scream six that way and like through that we've sort of been forming a stronger horror community around this festival mm -hmm. so like a lot of our friends that we were talking to at the festival are people who we met through that or, or got closer to through that and it, it, it's been really cool i feel like we've we've been building our new york horror community a lot more in this past year and it was very fun to see it all come together yeah I would recommend anyone who is in the tri-state area to try to come out to Brooklyn Horror if you like horror. Like, really, the community is so strong and we're all friendly and open. Yeah. And if you're worried that you won't know anyone, then, like, send us a message on Instagram or wherever and let us know that you'll be there. And we're, we're friendly and you can talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, should we plug our socials? Yeah. Yeah. For people who are listening on the Who's There podcast feed, 
We are Cadaver Dogs Podcast. You can get us wherever you find your podcast, wherever you're listening to this one now. We cover basically the themes and social commentary of horror films, if you haven't listened to us before. And we're at Cadaver Dogs Pod on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Now we're on TikTok as well. Yes. And Allison was in our most recent episode on Relic and the Taking of Deborah Logan, all about old people and aging and dementia and being sad. It's a feel-good time. (laughs) And I'm Allison. I'm the host of the podcast Who's There, a podcast about horror fans, where I interview horror fans and creatives about why they like the horror genre so much, since everyone thinks we're all weirdos for liking this kind of content. We are. Uh, Well, (laughs) my podcast will be over if you demystify it. So yeah, you can find me at uh, wherever you are listening to podcasts. Uh, go to whostherepodcast.com and I'm who's there PC on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. I am who's there something else. I don't know. You can look on there. It'll be easy to find me. I haven't actually posted in a couple few weeks. So I mean, don't bother. Right <laughs> I'm right there with you. And you have an episode with Devin, right? Yes, I have an episode with Devin. We're going to get you to come on sometime soon. So yeah. Dope. Sounds great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy we finally got to do a crossover episode. Thanks to everyone that listened. I know it's a weird one for both of our feeds, but it's just been, we had to talk about these movies. So thanks for listening. Peace. Bye.